There is an idea of a Patrick Bateman, some kind of abstraction, but there is no real me, only an entity, something illusory. And though I can hide my cold gaze, and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable, I simply am not there. Well, there it is. There it is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back to the show, everybody. I think we all have a hell of a lot to say about this. We do. We do. We better get into it, though. Yes, we should. Let's just jump right in. Everybody listening, my name's Pete. And I'm Scott. And these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that, that made us gay. gay. Yay. Welcome back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. And Scott, why don't you welcome our guest and introduce the movie? We had our friend Mike Toscano on. Welcome back from Sleepaway Camp and what was the last movie that you did? Cruising. 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 <laughs> you and we watched American Psycho, released the year two thousand, directed by Mary Heron. We always have you for kind of the doozies of the <laughs> the movies that are kind of uh, maybe not like the heavier subject matter because we've we've done some like dark movies, but you always get some you always get some good ones. What dark movies have you guys done before? Yeah, like, really I mean, True Beverly Hills is pretty rough. When you when you get down to breath, there's tax. a pretty gruesome murder in Talented Mr. Ripley, and that movie goes into some dark places. True. All right. Fair. All right. Yeah. Probably cruising is is probably the darkest episode that we've done. Yeah, Mike. Always court and controversy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love it. <laughs> I, I just bring it on. Just give me those episodes. <laughs> I mean, but this was a very controversial book and movie when yes. it came out too. Mm. Yeah. Um. I. I think we we all as as gays kind of have our own journey with Brett Easton Ellis. Sure, right? Yep. <laughs> you know, love or hate or love and hate. I mean, uh, I I feel like I'm the least like connected to this movie as far as like. I mainly have a relationship with the movie it. in general. I think that I may have bought this book, but I just never really read it. Yeah. And I've just sort of picked up uh, Bretty Snell's books. Like, I think that I tried to read Glamorama mm-hmm. at one point, and I didn't really Oof. make it past the first, like, 20 pages of it. That one's rough. Uh, I'm more of a less than zero slash rules of attraction person. <laughs> love the movie Rules of Attraction. Yes. Love, love Rules of Attraction. Um, for me, I guess the gateway is this movie into yeah, sure. East Nell's world. And we're, I think we're the same age too, because I remember when this came out, I think that we were freshmen in high school and I just remember all of the buzz leading up to this movie that it had its Sundance premiere in January of 2000. It had a spring release and I remember noticing it on the Yahoo, uh, movie boards at the time. Like, do you remember Yahoo Movies before IMDb <laughs> kind of, like, yeah. took over everything? I remember this profile page because it just being – it just sort of had all of its production history behind it of Leonardo DiCaprio attached to it, David Cronenberg. Like, all of its build up until the release of the movie, I remember following it on Yahoo Movies in probably the – Late 1999, early 2000. So I was aware of this movie when it was about to come out. What about you guys? I had no idea about this movie, actually. My brother was the one to turn me on to this movie. Um, This movie came out, what you said, 2000. So Mm -hmm. I graduated high school in 2005. So 
um, was in middle school, I want to say ish. like 13-ish <laughs> when the movie came out. So I, I, my brother was the one who talked about it to me. Yeah. And my brother uh, played such a huge part on 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 my taste, actually, and, and movie recommendations. And uh, he suggested this to me, and I watched him instantly fell in love. So I didn't really know too much about um, Leonardo DiCaprio being involved till much, much later. Yeah, was this our kind of first taste of, like, sexy Christian Bale? I mean, I think so. Like, full yeah. body, like, mm-hmm. you know nudity and all that stuff i mean he was around definitely child actor turned serious actor yeah because he was in empire of the sun directed by steven spielberg um i always remember him as uh in little women yes he's laurie laurie yep and that was 94 94 94 so yeah see never saw it oh (laughs) so good i had never seen the 94 little women for years until scott introduced me to it um my older sister who like kind of like you mike my older sister kind of shaped my music and movie kind of taste and while she did have a very intense thing for christian bale because uh, she's older than me so 94 she was in high school and um she was also a literature person so she was very into you know little women um I had also missed Newsies, which was another thing that he was in. But I think he was very much this kind of like teen heartthrob situation coming out of his child actor years. And then this was the one that was like, okay, this guy, there's some, there's mm-hmm. a little bit more to him than, you know, playing the love interest to, you know, Winona Ryder. Um, not that that's a bad thing. Yeah. And I know that Mary, the director, that's what's kind of interesting about this movie is that it's made by women. Yeah. It's like directed by Mary Heron, uh, who did like I Shot Andy Warhol. That was kind of her big oh, debut. Right. So I this was her movie. big yeah. follow up to, th- to that. Mm-hmm. And also Guinevere Turner, who is also in this movie. She is a the college friend of Patrick that he kills. Not to be confused with the prostitute that he kills. He's, the yuppie college friend. Yeah. She's the writer of the She's movie. She's the writer of the movie. Okay. Who's completely drunk when we when we meet her. We don't know anything about her, but she she's a she's a trip though in her scene. I enjoy her character a lot. Yeah, definitely. I know that I I mean, Mike being in middle school, maybe you didn't see this in the theater? Or did didn't. You, didn't. Okay. Scott, probably not. Oh no. Okay. I, I did. <laughs> you saw this in the theater. Oh, I awesome. did not know that. I think okay. I did. Jealous. I'm pretty sure that I did. Did you see this at like the Sunset Five or something? Oh no, I'm sure that I just saw it at the local like suburban movie theater. And um, you know, it was one of those movies that to me I was like, okay, he's he's super hot. Love the side butt action. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I don't know. Something about like at the time I was just very much like, oh, it's like it's ultra violent and it's so like uh, it was just it was hit pushing all the buttons it was supposed to, but also not supposed to. Like, I don't know if I just didn't get it or if I was just like not cool enough to be like, oh, the commentary. But I was just like, I don't like it. He's murdering these girls. That's that's bad. So to me for a long time, I was like, OK, I'm not I don't know how how I'm feeling this then. Um, but I had also was familiar with Lesson Zero. Um, again, having an older sister, being the a... The book or the movie? Both. Okay. Um, the movie's crazy, uh, <laughs> but it's also yeah. so different, 
right? Incredibly different. Yeah. Like, stupidly different. Yeah. And like, I it's mean, barely the movie. Yeah, uh, like, the book. the book, right? And for the 80s, it's like, well, at least they're trying to adapt it. And they got these people that you're like, I could see them, these actors, going in the direction of this of the story if they were given the opportunity. But, you know, that yeah. didn't happen. Then um, Rules of Attraction came out. And not that that movie is any more like socially conscious or aware than this one but i don't know what why i just i guess i was more the age of the characters in rules of attraction so i was like so i took to it a little bit more and that is directed by uh quentin tarantino's writing writing partner roger avery i think yeah it's it's directed by roger avery um but then when i really started to get into it i was just getting deeper into the books and that's when i was just like i can't with this what do you mean? I can't. I can't with this. He's starting sentences with like articles and like. <laughs> this, you mean the book American this, Psycho? Yeah, and well, all of his books. The stream of consciousness writing. Sure. To me, the like college age, like you know, literature major critic. The stream of consciousness style writing. Just, I just had a wild haired. I was just like, this guy thinks he's so cool, but. I don't know. He was cool. He was a kid. Like it's a, a feat. It is an amazing feat that this person produced this work at the age that he did. Well, he's a part of the the uh, Brat Pack writers of the eighties, mm-hmm. and we don't really have that anymore. Mm-mm. Sure, like no he's, way. he's kind of like the the few that are still around where authors contribute to the culture mm-hmm. directly like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know what it was just about. I know this is me. This is like my thing. But I was just like, this guy thinks he's so cool. But like, I would, I would secretly also just loved it, you know? So I don't know. I was just so torn about it. I think it was just jealousy. I think it was just like, I could write this and Mm -hmm. I never did. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, did you guys ever read the book 12 by Nick, Nick McDonald? I know that he sort of had a similar reputation that he wrote this book about young people when he was like, I mean, maybe just shy of 18. And Mm. the book became like a big in the literary community. It was a bestseller. And then they adapted it into a movie. But nobody remembers that movie. It was Uh. directed by like Joel Schumacher in like 2010. And I think and I I remember reading a lot of comparisons to Brett Easton Ellis. Right. I mean, it's interesting. I'm going to try that out. Yeah. I mean, it sounds uh, comparable, but I don't remember uh, the book Mm -hmm. or the movie, unfortunately. Yeah, and he was super young when he wrote it. Sure. Um, Well, let's talk a little bit more in depth about American Psycho, the movie. You know, we were saying earlier, there's a a lot to unpack here. (laughs) There's a lot of reasons that we we took to it. Like, but there's also a lot of different audiences that kind of like latch onto this movie. It's a very widely misunderstood movie from what I've observed. Do we want to talk about the like misunderstandings of... Oh, we'll definitely get into it. Yeah. Okay. It kind of all bleeds together. Yeah. Um, Like the book into the movie, like the controversy from, from the book and then how that kind of flew through the troubling production, pre-production to kind of get this film created and then for it to just kind of come out like i was going to ask you peter about like how was it seeing in the theaters with an audience like did people get it um are they just sitting in silence like completely through the whole thing i feel oh god it was so long ago i feel like people i feel like my friends and i 
laughed when we were supposed to. But yeah, it's tough. Like even in LA, I feel like there was still a, a, a kind of not really understanding the not just the tone, but like what is this? Is sure. it like even the whole ending of the movie? Just like what what is going on? Like <laughs> is, <laughs> is he making it up? Like what's what's happening? Like I feel like people took it at face value at first, you know. And yeah, it's almost like it's do. kind of just there as like a movie, and 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 when you try to like compare it to the book, and I know. Brett and just reading and, and knowing his, you know, reading like interviews with him, like he kind of has had like a flip flop view of the, right. of the film. Um, some of it, like it's very, very mixed, but on the flip side of it, like he has to give the film some sort of credit because it really catapulted his name. Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, even though it was a mess to go through the book controversy. Yeah. I think it's interesting to start with the production history of this movie. So this book was pretty much optioned as soon as it came out just because it was so controversial. Naturally, a sort of a Wall Street killer would sell for a really good movie, especially at this time in the 90s when it came out. And Cronenberg was attached to early developments of this movie. And then I think that they handed it down to Oliver Stone at one time at one time was attached in the mid nineties. And I think that he wanted Leonardo DiCaprio and he exited the movie. Mary Heron, who was looking for a follow-up for I shot Andy Warhol became involved. She was very adamant about Christian Bale and Lionsgate. I think that they got the right, they became the distributor, the distributor of it around 98. They really wanted Leonardo DiCaprio. Mary was very adamant about Christian Bale Christian Bale was not a name at the time, so she really had to go out on the limb for him. And I think that sort of the compromise with it was once Leo exits the movie, we are chopping your budget in half. So this pretty much became an independent movie with Christian Bale signing onto it. That this was going to be a movie made for maybe $10 million as opposed to $40 million with Leonardo DiCaprio. And this is the movie that we got. And when you think about it, how different would this movie be had Oliver Stone directed it? Like, it would have been a completely different movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have no desire to see that version. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I know, with, like, I'd rather actually see Cronenberg do this film. I think just with his aesthetic and, and tone, like, he, he could do it but in just reading what he wanted to do like he wanted to remove all the scenes in like restaurants and nightclubs and I'm like yeah that's such a big part of the story yeah. that you really can't mm-hmm. do that and that's something that mary really emphasizes with her vision of the movie that it's sort of this critique of 80s excess that these characters are dining in these very fancy restaurants they're having these like uh, business card like showdowns and it just sort of reeks of that Reagan era excess of the 80s and I think that's kind of when you boil this material down to it that is sort of what it's critiquing I agree yeah I, I definitely agree but and and it, you know what I love about Mary is that she she really got the book very quickly and she got the sense of humor of the book too exactly that that's what I mean she she was able to see through the controversy of a uh, controversy of it controversy of it can't talk, um, but but to see what it is at, at its core as a social satire. Yeah, and, and I, oh, go ahead. No, and and I I definitely think she was successful in, in adapting this because when you read the book in comparison, it's like where would you start for it to be a movie that makes sense and for it to work in that form. Yeah, and I think the casting of Christian Bale, too, also, 
like knowing what we know now about him as an actor and his like air quotes process, <laughs> you know, um, of developing these characters and, you know, modeling them after people. And, um, when you watch it and if you're not familiar with him, you might just be thinking like, what is he doing? What is, what is, what is his voice he's doing? Like what is going on? Like this performance is crazy, mm-hmm. but just kind of understanding like the type of actor that, that, Christian Bale is in the kind of work that he puts into developing these characters and voices and accents and all that. It kind of puts everything else into perspective as well. The the thought process of, of, of his casting and just kind of the character. It kind of makes you understand a little bit more like, okay, I get it. I, I kind of get more what's going on here and not just taking it at, at face value, which is what I think is a mistake uh, that people make when they, when they watch it. Um, I think I remember reading, I think it was an interview with Mary where she was talking about what, who Christian based this performance off of. I've never seen a direct quote from Bale about this, but he said that he based a lot of the mannerisms of Patrick Bateman on Tom Cruise of when Tom would do (laughs) like talk shows and just sort of being this very, charming guy but sort of just being dead behind the eyes i love that though like mm-hmm. i could i could totally totally see that and especially at that you know looking back at like inner you know during that time of just like the emptiness and and the i it kind of, it's so appropriate because in the book tom cruise is like patrick bateman's neighbor yeah right. and like i remember there's a there's a part in the book where he like tells tom cruise that he loved him in Cocktail, which is so ridiculous. To which say is to like Tom the Cruise. dorkiest movie to like if you're a Tom Cruise fan. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. And I, I cocktail. and I think that's what's interesting about the characterization of Patrick and also how he's misunderstood is that you get people that sort of misunderstand this character and might think he's cool or think that they sort of also live this lifestyle that is everything that Patrick's about, but. When it comes down to it, this character is kind of a dork. Mm. Like, he's kind of a loser. I don't think he's a dork. I just think he's very much chasing... Like, he doesn't really have... Uh, I don't know. Okay, I'm, I'm just going to sound like a moron. <laughs> <laughs> I just think what he's just chasing what he thinks is is, is cool, obviously. You know? And, uh, I, yeah. I think you're both right. Because, like, in, when you're watching the movie, I mean, they do... You know, there is uh, multiple times when they mistake him for different people, and they'll even refer to, you know, Bateman as being like, mm-hmm. oh, that loser Patrick Bateman. Right. Or that dork Patrick Bateman. So he is an unreliable narrator through the whole movie. So we're, we're really seeing everything through his eyes, but I think in the real world, he is a dork. You know, I think he's just kind of one of the bunch to a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, he is putting on, you know, to go what you were saying, Peter, is he's, he is putting on that face of likability, you yeah. know, that whole scene in the film where he's talking about Sri Lanka um, and about <laughs> like fighting world hunger. Like he's, he's just saying these things to be more likable to people. Yes. You know, uh, the whole, and it mistake- means nothing. Oh yeah, absolutely. To, like he cares less about that. The whole mistaken identity concept in, in the movie and, you know, in the book is just, yeah, it, it rings to me of this whole idea that all these guys that run, at his firm and at every other Wall Street firm or whatever, that they are just kind of interchangeable and nobody knows who the hell they're talking to. And yeah. they're just not even paying attention to each other as they're having these conversations. And also just sort of everyone else that Patrick is surrounded by when he'll blatantly say that he killed someone or he wants to like 
murder this bartender when he's getting a drink that everyone just sort of is still in their own world and they don't hear him. But you guys don't do that when it's like crowded and you're at a bar and just like, I'm going to murder you. (laughs) Just me. (laughs) No, no. I think I have said some shit just being like, but not, 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 and I was vulgar. (laughs) I fucking know you're not listening to me right now. Like just to see what they say, if they actually did hear me, I've done that before. But not like I want to stab you to death and play around with your blood. Right. No, maybe, yeah, maybe that's a little too far. Um, also his uh, – I mean I know it's part of the the character. But the monologues about the musicians and the bands that he's into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. I, I love those. But I'm also like you're just like quoting what you read in like Rolling Stone. He's yeah. like a walking details magazine well, there wasn't details. Well, maybe there was details. At that He's like a walking detail, like, <laughs> like details magazine, which is like the gayest magazine ever for straight men. <laughs> um, I want to talk a little bit about this cast. This cast is crazy. It's so huge. And, you know, when we revisited this movie, I had forgotten like half of the faces that are in this. I was telling Scott, like, if you asked me a month ago. For $1,000, is Reese Witherspoon in <laughs> American Psycho? I would have said, uh, no, pay up, idiot. But there she was, <laughs> front and center. I completely forgot. There's so many people and great people. Oh. Chloe Sevigny is so good in this. They got Chloe Sevigny fresh off of that Oscar nomination for Boys Don't Cry. Yeah. I remember her oh, just having that. a moment in the early 2000s around this time. Mm-hmm. In a role that I feel like this character is probably written very differently of like this working girl assistant that I feel like once you cast Chloe, it makes the character very different from probably what was written. You know, it, with with her character, Jean, it's rewatching the movie and it's been like maybe about like two years since I've really watched the movie. Mm-hmm. I do love the movie and I own it, but um, rewatching it, I realized like how small, how peripheral her, yeah. her, her, her role is, which is a little sad because in the book, she definitely has like a bigger role. Her character has a bigger role. Um, she ends up marrying Patrick at the end of really? the story. Yeah. And um, he makes a comment being like, he plans on turning her into a racist. Which is so fucked up. <laughs> um, but but I, I love her as an actress, though. I love Chloe. Uh, mm-hmm. Everything that she's in, she's always one of those people that when she pop up, pops up, I'm so happy that she's there. But I do wish she had a little bit more... More to do. Meat. Yeah, yeah, more do and a little bit more meat to yeah. her character. I understand her, her, her purpose of being there. And it's really Bateman's story at its core. But yeah. I would have loved to have had more of her. Yeah. She's immediately sympathetic as this character. But I just sort of picture... Uh, Patrick's secretary just being this like girl from Long Island or something with like big, big, with like, with like (laughs) big working girl hair or something. Yeah. That would have been really fun. Uh, I love, I mean, there's the thing about this movie is it's it's hard to bring up points that are not just like bullet points and like the IMDb trivia, but it's like, cause this movie has been so analyzed and overanalyzed, you know? But um, there's just some things that are really fun about it. Like the idea that uh, you're watching this movie and Patrick Bateman says he's 20, 27, 26, 27, 27, mm-hmm. lives in this fabulous apartment. Like these 
his watches, his suits. Like, this shit is expensive. This fucker is making some coins at his job. And several scenes at the office, several, all of the, the, the scenes with all of his friends surround his work. What the hell do they do? None of them work a moment on screen. Yeah. All they do is, all he does when he's in his office is take stupid phone calls that don't have anything to do with anything and, or, and orders Chloe 70 around to not wear pants anymore. Um, it's very interesting. And make, and make dinner reservations. Yes, making make reservations. That, that's, that's all they're awesome. doing. They're going to lunch and they're making reservations and, you know, uh, faking reservations, all that. But it's just, it's so funny that, and I think that that's something that upon, you know, first viewing, you might not even catch or, you know, some a casual viewer might not even pay attention to that. Just be like, oh, business, office, you know, whatever it is. But it's like, these dumbasses. And they're all vice presidents. Yeah. <laughs> Every single one of them is vice president. Of what? <laughs> Do they all work at the same firm? How many vice presidents can one firm have? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating the way that that's kind of built in there. Just to kind of show that th- this – all the money that they're making doesn't really – well, even mm-hmm. if you're looking at like Patrick Bateman's apartment, it's very like there's nothing. It's mm-hmm. very yeah. just black, white. There's nothing personal in it. Cold and, and minimal. Yes, which I love. I actually really love his apartment. <laughs> and his framed um, Les Mis. I would love that apartment. His yeah, framed w- Les Mis. Uh, I would not say no to that apartment. <laughs> over the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. But like there's – yeah, there's art but it's art that like – again, probably something that he saw in a magazine, you know, that he was like, well, this something is – that was cool because yeah. there's a Cindy Sherman like print but mm-hmm. behind the couch um, that I noticed and I was like, that's a very interesting print and I love it. Um, but to go back to what you're talking about, like they, you're right. They don't do anything and that, and, and that is the purpose that they really don't do anything. Yeah. It's almost like they pretend to work. Yeah, and, and it's all a show. And mm-hmm. they're and they're all so rich, making money, making money for other people. You know, moving and it money all just around. adds up to nothing. Yeah, and so when when Patrick does decide to just fucking you know do what he does, it's like, well, I don't know, maybe there's, there's nothing else fulfilling his life because his his job is completely meaningless. His friendships, like they all hate each other. Why is he all with his friends? Why is he fucking, with this woman who he's engaged to? They seem to hate each other. Oh yeah, Evelyn. It, again, it goes back to show. Yeah, like perception. Yeah. It's just know, something that you that have mask. to do. Yeah, yeah. It's expected and, of and, you to have this. You know, the the blonde girlfriend and and all and the suits and the watches and all that. Even though he's cheating on like the other guy's fiance, who's engaged to a gay guy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's a little drama there unpacked and. and in the in the book, it's it's fleshed out a little bit more. In the movie, it, it's it's there. Um, again, it's all peripheral. And mm-hmm. It's all about Patrick in the movie, and I, I and I think that was like the right decision. But but there's a lot of interesting little side bits to like the supporting cast in it. Yeah, yeah especially when they're introduced at that restaurant of when he walks into at the beginning of the movie. Um, Espas, yeah, Espas. So I definitely the scenes of this movie that probably just made every single gay guy gasp in the movie theater are these opening (laughs) shots of that body. (laughs) Christian Bale in that fucking body is insane. Yeah. I definitely paused my DVD. (laughs) Oh, I would like pause my, my VHS jumping all over the place, jumping all over the place. (laughs) Yep. You know what? I'm glad we got it though. I mean, typically, you know, it's interesting because this movie has been labeled as one of the best, horror movies of the 21st century mm-hmm. and um 
and we don't really get male nudity, but we got it in this, and I'm happy what we got. Yeah. It's almost kind it of looks amazing. It's almost kind <laughs> of commenting on. I mean, sort of how controversial and violent this movie is to women that at the center were exploiting the body of this guy. All right. And maybe okay. we wouldn't have gotten that if it was a male directing it. Maybe it just sort of had to be a female eye that were objectifying Patrick. That's a very good point that I never really mm-hmm. thought about, actually. Yeah. And I mean, his body is so much a part of what he's cultivating to show everybody like like we were talking about his apartment and the suits yeah. and everything perfection yeah the perf- and, and this bo- and he he says it it's 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 right it's in the dialogue that his face yeah. and his body is part of the package that he's selling of this perfect life so it's like if he's going to put in that kind of work and that body is wor- and that's that's what's kind of cool is that they they do kind of um emphasize that it do take work mm-hmm. to look like <laughs> And definitely uh, us as like gay that. men know something about that because there is definitely an emphasis on this is the perfect body for a gay on man. Oh, this body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so definitely something that gay men can relate to that sure. this is something that many, many men try to achieve. Right. But also keep in mind, like, base it on the time frame of the story of 1987. Mm-hmm. And really that kind of bridged into also, like, the 90s of, like, what male perfection is supposed to look like. That's a, that's a very good right. point. That's, like, a whole other, oh, yeah. like, hour-plus conversation <laughs> about. Because, like, now, like, I feel like the idea, like, Harry is in right now. Like, mm-hmm. Would Patrick be Harry? No, he'd probably like laser it all off back in the heyday. So, <laughs> yeah, his body would be a little different in 1987. He'd probably be a little bit more bulky, uh, just because like working out and bodybuilding was different at the time. Um, but like gyms, the health clubs, yeah, how they referred to them at the time, probably only accessible to you know people who like like his crowd, and especially Those people going something to something like the tanning. Yeah. Only like probably the super elite in the 80s use tanning beds. Or just like, you know, y- yuppies. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of like pretentious like person. Um, I've been using a tanning bed a lot lately. Getting ready to for uh, Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll get some uh, side-by-side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> comparison I'll, do, I'll do a side-by-side comparison of... Uh, you and Christian? Of me and Christian sure. in the tanning bed. You know, the other actors that are in this movie, uh, Samantha Mathis? No, no, no. His, the guy friends, um, Justin, Justin Theroux. Theroux. Oh, I mean, I could go on about Justin Theroux. Okay. You want to talk about Um, the body? I know, right? (laughs) No, I'll talk about Justin Theroux though. Cause I spotted Justin Theroux and Romeo Michelle and I was like, who's that cowboy? And then yeah. I saw him on like six feet under and then I saw him on, uh, in this. And, and you like, see oh, him, you see him naked here. on six feet under too. Oh, trust when me, he's I've walking across the courtyard times. to Brenda's house and you see that I like those screen caps, yep. that's, that should save somewhere on some hard drive still, I bet. Love and, it. And Justin oh, Throw just strikes me as that type of guy that's had a six pack since he was like a child. That probably just doesn't even have to work to get it. I'm sure that yeah, he you does. S- you saw Charlie's Angels full throttle. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Disgusting. And, yeah. and you know, he's so cute now. Like he's all... He has a beard and he loves his dog. And I'm just like, oh, he's perfect. <laughs> I saw I saw his Instagram of his cute little pit bull today. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's so cute. He's so fucking hot. Oh. But in the movie, 
He's got no facial hair. His hair is so slicked back. Yeah. And I love the shot of him dancing to True Faith in the opening credits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's such a dork. He's just like flailing his arms. Like like dancing like a guy from Wall Street, how you think he would. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I love it. Yeah, L- yeah, yeah. Those were nice little touches. Mm-hmm. Josh Lucas is the other one. I do remember at, there was a time in the 2000s that Hollywood tried to make Jock, Josh Lucas a leading man, and it never quite stuck. Tried to make it happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My ass is like, who's Josh Lucas? He was in Sweet Home Alabama. This is? <laughs> He's the blonde one. Yeah. I know Jared yeah. Leto. Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Ooh, my bad. Right. <laughs> and Jared, he's got a bigger part than Jared and Leto. And Jared Leto, who I know that um, I think probably was considered as Patrick, and then they just settled on this side character. And he's great. You know, yeah. I think, you know, he's great. Paul Allen. So. Yeah. And, Jared and that scene is iconic that he's in, so. Yes, absolutely. His hair, I feel like he tried to go real period with, because he looks ridiculous with this haircut. But I feel like he was very much like, I'm going to go with, like, this 80s hair. It's going to be a little bit longer in the back. Like, this whole, like, Jared Leto, like, thought experiment. Um, it's interesting because at the time, I, I don't know why, I just always – he is so youthful looking that I'm just like, what's he doing there? He looks so much younger. than He's the same age as everybody in this movie. Christian Bale was 26 <laughs> years old when he made this movie. Can you believe that? That's That was Christian I, Bale I, at 26. And that's actually, insane. like, seeing him, because I have it on, playing on mute in the back, like, he looks like a baby. Like, his he face, right? Like yeah. Especially yeah. in comparison now, of course, and just seeing him in Batman and all this mm-hmm. other shit that he's done. Yeah. But there's also something about how Mary lights and shoots Patrick that he's a very handsome guy, but he does look very ghoulish in certain scenes. <laughs> and it's sort of, it's like the texture of his skin from this, like, yeah. skin regime that he just looks like wax. Like a scary wax figure. There's actually a scene with um, William Defoe's character um, where they're having lunch, and he looks like yes. he's melting. Yeah, away. Mm-hmm. yeah. And I, I love that actually in that scene because he's supposed to be sweating because he's being questioned about the disappearance of Paul Allen. Did I read that Christian Bale had his his teeth fixed right before this movie? Um, because he, I mean, that's just kind of part of christian bill's face but he looks like he has too many teeth <laughs> and when he talks and he has this big grin and when he talks through this big smile and his huge open mouth and it's just like all t- top row of mm-hmm. teeth it's like so crazy but hey uh patrick would have gotten full set of caps too so <laughs> absolutely i was just looking at the body i didn't notice any right <laughs> I was like, oh, good face, great body. (laughs) Who cares what's going on in there? Um, (laughs) We've got – I I do like – we talked a little bit about the um, Patrick's relationships and uh, how he's engaged to uh, Reese Witherspoon's character. But they hate each other. Mm -hmm. Um, They're with each other pretty much just for show. She's – this Christmas party – She doesn't know it though. Oh, right. I feel like, yeah, she's kind of in it for the long haul, but she doesn't really care either (laughs) Either way. Yeah. She, yeah. She's just there. She's there for the ride just to look pretty. Yeah. I like when they're at, is it a Christmas party? And she just walks over and just has a pig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she has a pig. But that's so 80s too, though. Like It's it, so trendy. Yeah. Belly pigs. Pig. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, it's a baby pig. <laughs> and he just looks at like in complete disgust that there's a pig at this party. So someone puts like reindeer antlers on his head. It's, <laughs> those are great, actually comical moments. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's the thing. It's like the, the, it's funny that this movie you said it's it's listed in these like lists of horror films. I mean, I guess I'd I'd classify it as more of a thriller, but um, it does have a lot of really good comedic moments. Yeah, in it, its humor is very black, and it almost feels like Christian Bale is playing this movie as if he's in a comedy too. The, of just being absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like even just his mannerisms, his like weird smirky smile after he puts his card down on the table. <laughs> oh, the business Basically, card seems the male great. The kissing contest mm-hmm. of, uh, of cards, <laughs> business cards. All of yeah. these business cards that just for us look exactly the same, but for them, they all look completely different. Wait, they are different though. Like I do like Patrick's card better than everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> the font is better. The font's better. It looks nicer. Like it just works aesthetically better. So sure. I get it. But I mean, even Mary's <laughs> playing it up though. I mean, when he puts the card down, you actually hear like a knife blade. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a gram? New card. What do you think? Oh, very nice. Look at that. Picked them up from the printers yesterday. Good coloring. That's bone. And the lettering is something called Cillian Braille. It's very cool, Bateman, but that's nothing. Look at this. That is really nice. Eggshell with Romalian type. What do you think? Nice. Mm-hmm. It's like he's he's literally trying to just cut through people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but all of their kind of like subtle looks every time something somebody brings out their new one and says something and they're just like, Oh shit. Oh shit. I need that. Yeah. It's the end of the world. <laughs> and then Paul Allen just ups everyone. Yeah. So we, and meanwhile, like he starts, he picks up, he's like, let me see Paul Allen's card. And he picks it up and he's like, look at that subtle off white color. Is that a watermark? <laughs> and he's like sweating. And the gay guy, Lewis is just like, Patrick, you're sweating. Like, <laughs> Oh God. I can't with the watermark on your business card. Mm-hmm. That is like too much. <laughs> I mean, I've never been, I would never get a business card. I mean, I've never worked at any job that I would that ever, that would card. ever require a business card. Sure. In my wildest dreams, I would. I do. <laughs> I, I mean, I've had jobs where I've gotten business cards and did put them to zero use. I feel like I could like, like, decoupage our deck floor with them or like wallpaper i mean i guess that we could get business cards with movies that made us gay i never thought of that yeah and pass them out Mm -hmm. pass them out at the club (laughs) with uh what does what What does patrick say the the color it's a bone color i I think that he calls it cillian bone (laughs) sure so white off white it's it's a different color it's a different bone's a different color so should we talk about the murder of Jared Leto a little bit? Because <laughs> this scene's pretty iconic. iconic. And it's also when every, like, bro just needs a last-minute Halloween costume, they'll throw together a Patrick Bateman and go in a business suit and a transparent rain slicker. Yeah. With an axe. Mm-hmm, with an axe. Yeah, that was, like, kind of, like, a, a very popular Halloween costume for, for a while just because that scene... And the irony of that scene, too, is um, when the soundtrack came out in CD, they released it with Hip to Be Square, but it didn't go through its uh, licensing. And it got recalled. Oh, interesting. Years later, with Funny or Die, Huey Lewis's 
replicating that scene on the internet. Oh. <laughs> so obvi- obviously things have changed yeah. since then. People didn't want to be associated with this this film. I mean, the book or the film. I mean, they didn't even use Whitney in this movie. They had to use like a weird elevator. A Muzak. Muzak version of it. Yeah, as he just talks about like how emotional it is as like the two girls are drunkenly making out. You know, that was something that I commented on as we're watching this. I'm thinking in the 80s, was it just okay to like all these different kinds of popular music? Like he's got Hugh Lewis in the news, uh, friggin' Genesis and Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. Like that's like my parents did that, but they, I mean, they weren't even old at the time they were in their thirties. So I'm like, I don't know. It's just now people are so specific and like only liking one genre of music, but th- that's just across the board. It's just like, whatever is on MTV. You're just like, I'm buying the CD. Um, and it was cool. But again, it's Patrick, not even that cool. He's just like, this is what's on the radio. I this mean, is what's on MTV. Patrick is also it's sort of cool. Yeah, Patrick is also sort of a product of consumer culture, and I think that was a big thing that Brett, uh, kind of one of his big themes of the book, right. was sort of uh, consumerism. Right. Because I'm feeling like real deep cut. Like if you were into like Genesis, then maybe you wouldn't be buying the Whitney Houston CD. But I, I don't know if that's nitpicking or if that's you know just a commentary on Patrick. Just like well, this is. This is the top 40 right now, so I'm buying it all, you know? Yeah, I, I think it is because in the yeah. book, I mean, in the book, he, he goes he goes heavily into music, but he goes into, like, his workout routine. He goes into stereo equipment, and it's, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, two pages on it. Sure. Like, Jesus. <laughs> um, and it's really to kind of balance out where you are getting, like, the consumerism, but also getting pages of uh, disturbing murder sequences in high detail. Mm-hmm. So, so there is like a point point to it, but I really think it's just to, he doesn't truly love this stuff. It's really just for show. It's like yeah. what you guys said earlier. It's almost like he's reading a review. You know, he, he memorized a review. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause that's what, and then the, the kind of voice that he puts on when he is reading the, is, is it, it's, it's hip to be square in that, in this scene, right? Yeah. That we're talking about when he's yeah. giving off that review. His voice, like he's his voice goes up an octave, and it's like so fast, and just the way he's like spewing all that out. I'm just, and I'm trying to think as I'm watching it. I'm like, who does he sound like? I'm trying to figure out like what what is he giving me when I'm hearing this crazy mm-hmm. like crazed monologue about Huey Lewis and the news. And when you know is when he and you know when he starts the monologue about music, shit's about to go down. <laughs> And he does that little dance move where he like puts his arms. He's like, yeah, such a dork. <laughs> yeah. Huey released this for the most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to Be Square. A song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics, but they should because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of friends. It's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, was Huey Lewis in the news kind of like, was that kind of corny at the time? Because it's kind of corny now, but it's like, you can never tell. It's like, did people really like, was it cool to like them? Was it not cool to like Huey Lewis? I don't even know. I mean, I think it was sort of like the Osmonds. I think like cooler than the Osmonds. The Osmonds were were pretty dorky for the 70s. Yeah. I don't know. I think Huey Lewis in the news were cooler than the, I think they might have been like a journey kind of thing. Sure. Like they were popular, but not cool. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're not really like a band that's like so well established in yeah. the eighties. Like, I don't think Huey Lewis in the news as soon as I think of like eighties music. Sure, yeah. There's like three songs. I mean, I definitely think of the power of love. <laughs> yeah, Back to the Future yeah. soundtrack really put them on the map, but that mm-hmm. was it. Um, this has been Huey Lewis in the news minute. Huey Lewis used to come into an old job <laughs> of mine at a restaurant in Montana. Mm-hmm. Crazy, yeah. Blue eyed soul man. Yeah, he, uh, Huey Lewis kind of uh, what I it's like if Huey Lewis's vibe is when you meet him, it's like if your weird friend of your dad was famous for some odd reason. That's kind of the vibe that Huey Lewis gives off in person. I could totally see it. Just like, <laughs> hi, nice to see you. Mm-hmm. Like, whatever. That's awesome. All right, so there's still so much about this damn movie. Like you could, you could nitpick almost like every single scene. I feel like. Yeah. So the thing with Paul Allen is that he's jealous of the apartment mm-hmm. for one, right? Mm. Cause it's more expensive than his. Oh um, yeah. When Bateman kills him and goes to his apartment to pack up his suitcase. Cause he's going on a trip. Right. Yeah. He's like pissed off that looks over central park. Yeah. He has like a nicer apartment. Or yeah. no, not that he has a nice farm because it was the view. That's what yeah, it was. Yeah, the mm-hmm. view. Yeah. So it was more expensive. It wasn't nicer. It was more expensive. And Yeah. Yeah. And it, and one of the hookers even mentioned, or the hooker even mentions it. Like this place is, she says it's nicer than your other place. Does she he's say like, nicer? Well, it's not that nice. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, it's not that nice. <laughs> it's not as white. <laughs> I feel like I liked the decor better in Patrick's because uh, Paul's place was a little bit more like muted, like earth tones. And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't know about that. Yeah, like cherry wood and shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay. So is is Paul Allen the first like big murder scene that we see? I don't even know. The t- I can't even remember. The it is the homeless man. Yeah, it's oh, the homeless the man and his dog. And the dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that one's like... That one's pretty rough, too. Yeah. <laughs> when it was playing, I, I covered my dog's eyes. Oh, oh yeah. I was like, yeah. I don't want you to hear this. <laughs> I, 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 I don't like dogs getting killed in no. any movie at all. People, I don't care. Right. Um, dogs, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. And the dog even cries when he stabs the guy. You're like, oh, no. <laughs> the dog knows what's going on. <laughs> so, yeah, that seems, that seems rough. Um, the, the thing, though, I feel like you have this memory of this movie being so violent and it is, there are violent acts going on in the movie, but it's not gory. Sure. It's not shown a lot. And all, all of the violence prog- practically is off screen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 You, Cause even with like the chainsaw scene, I mean, you don't see it no. penetrate. No. You just see the after. Yeah. Mm-hmm effect of it and it's from high up you know you see the bodies in the apartment but you don't see him do it you know as far as like horror goes uh it does it it never really goes there as far as like i'm killing someone with an axe and you never see the axe chop into him you know you know when it comes to like the screenplay of it like the script of it it, i think i think that was like probably the best move like they made it just enough where it's impactful and creates yeah um, a reaction without going so far over the top and like over the edge as the book, because the book is hardcore. Yeah. Like for me, it's even rough. Um, I mean, he murders a, a child towards the end of the book. Yeah. I would imagine that the bigger issues with the MPAA at the time were probably the sex scenes of the movie with the, with the hookers. I think that those were the scenes when they did the unrated, 
home video of it were the extended bits. A couple of seconds was mm-hmm. all she had to take out. Yeah. Which is crazy. I mean, that's just another commentary on the MPAA, which yeah. is like, you know, violence, which, violence over sex. I love that scene, though, um, with the video <laughs> camera. He sets up a video camera. It's his only fans. Yeah. Um, for himself. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, now, would, would Patrick just be a, a muscle straight guy that just sort of panders to gay men on OnlyFans? <laughs> no, he's too conservative, yeah. I feel like, about that. Because, like, even if I just think, like, you know, the book and the movie, he mentions, like, is that Ivana Trump? Um, you know, is that Donald Trump's mm-hmm. limo? Um, I, I don't know, but I will say he inspired me to use a mirror. <laughs> don't we all? Hey, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't think we all actually. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of opening up about something, which I'm sure whoever hears this, including <laughs> friends and guys that I've had sex with, uh, who listen to this, they're going to be like, wow. Um, I do have a mirror in my bedroom. I mean, <laughs> as long as it's not above <laughs> the bed, or is it? <laughs> but I'm not like looking at myself like Patrick is. Patrick, Patrick ordered a pretty much a three way just to get himself off on yeah. himself. Oh yeah, really. he's like feeling himself, like flexing in the mirror. It's kind of hot. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but really like egotistical. Yeah, yeah. It's that thing where you're just like, if I if I was sure that the person that I'm doing this with is not going to get offended, <laughs> then I'm probably going to be staring at myself the entire time. <laughs> but, you know, you, you got to be aware that you're not the only person in the room. Unless you are the only person in the room, then look away. Um, yeah. the But also the sex scenes, I feel like there's a lot of nudity, but it's not like, uh, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's it's cut in ways that kind of cuts ar- almost cuts around everything. I mean, I'm, am I wrong or is it? I mean, I'm thinking when it comes to, like the sex scenes. That's that's it, right? Am I missing anything? It's just that one scene. There's the three way, and then yeah, we don't even really see oh, much. Yeah, you don't really see anything when he's banging because um, they're under the, the sheet. gay guy's fiance. Yeah, no, you definitely don't see that. Don't see but anything. when he's when he's killing, when he brings the hooker back, but this time he's got the friend. They're yeah. under a sheet, so you don't see anything there. He's yeah. when he's chasing her with the chainsaw. He's naked, but it's very like you only really see his, his butt ever. Well, I guess there is some like shots, fleeting uh, moments, exists where you see his. He was not wearing a sock. Ah, you see those balls. Ball. Ah, okay, that's that's cool. We'll we'll yeah. we'll we'll pull up Mr. Skin right now. <laughs> All of you, all of you Patreons listening, we won't be using your uh, contributions for our Mister Skin membership. <laughs> That's paid for. But yeah, I feel like this movie has this reputation for being crazy, violent, gory. You know, nudity everywhere. But when you really get down to it, it's kind of done in a way that's a little bit more artful mm-hmm. than just being so in your face. And um, it's kind of genius the way it is done because it makes you feel like you've seen all of this crazy graphic you know sex and violence when really Mm -hmm. you know it's 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 um it's kind of left for our our imaginations to fill it to fill it all in and uh, it speaks it speaks to the direction a lot Mm -hmm. as well as kind of the 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 story yeah i mean even though, like I said, Brett has like mixed feelings about it, mm-hmm. um, about the film. Like, I don't see any possible way this film could exist um, without this version. Like, yeah. I, I don't think it can get any better than this. 
without it being like really stupid over the top or almost unfilmable. Yeah. I mean, it probably would have gone into natural born killers territory had Oliver Stone done it. Yeah. Oh, I could. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, that's true. And I know uh, Brett Easton did write a script for this film and uh, Mary Heron did say she liked it. Um, but I guess it kind of, but she said it wasn't a film and the way that it ended was there's been two things I've read that Patrick sings daybreak breaks down a music number at the yeah. end of the film and it either happens on the streets of new york or happens at on the top of the world trade center okay which i'm like what the fuck yeah that, that would have been wild <laughs> like brett well, you obviously didn't give a shit or you're on drugs or yeah, something. yeah 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 <laughs> i don't know where you came up with that i mean i also daybreak th- from serial mom i also think at yeah. this time <laughs> probably in the 90s you would think that brett easton ellis just had to be over everything about this book that he just wanted to move on to. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Actually, uh, one quote that he told the guardian was, I would not have, I would not have the impulse to write that book again. It came from that time and place. And does anyone remember that there was, there was no one there for me at all. I had to pretty much go through a trial by fire on my own. <sighs> yeah. That's, and I don't blame, I mean, he, the, I mean, cause the thing that happened with the book was the, before it was completed, like what's it called when when before books come out, uh, but it gets passed around internally. Galleys. Yes, yeah. basically, like that kind of had filtered out, and people just lost their mind. Um, <laughs> New York Times called the most lo- loathsome offering of the season. Oh, the National Organization of Women threatened to boycott Random House and called mm-hmm. him a confusing, sick young man with a deep hatred of women who will do anything for a fast buck. <laughs> and this was also before, like, like, cancel culture, too. Right. So he sort of experienced that at the time. Yes, yes. That is a very good point that I'm not going to jump fully into um, because he does still talk about cancel culture. And obviously some people don't like him and still have problems with him right. currently. And kind of his big thing on social media is that he just likes to press buttons just to totally. see how far he can get. Yeah. That's sort of yeah. his his, like, shtick. Yeah, he knows he's trolling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Especially when he mentions that Liz and Dick with Lindsay Lohan was kind of a good movie. I remember that tweet. <laughs> I've never forgotten it. Oh, man. Jeez, I, di- I didn't even know about that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we watched it. It kind of was a good movie. No, it wasn't. Um, so we should touch on the – we mentioned Patrick being the unreliable narrator, right? He's telling the story – um, so much is going on. The ending portion of this movie is, uh, I mean, I guess ambiguous. I remember being right? very confused about this ending and I still kind of am. The one bit that I fucking love is when he goes back to Paul's apartment. And the last time we've seen Paul's apartment, he was running out the front door with the chainsaw blood running down the hallway mm-hmm. you know body parts everywhere in the apartment and also does anyone live in this building <laughs> right this woman is screaming mm-hmm. is running down the halls banging on doors nothing's happening um and when he goes back to the apartment it's like it's empty there's like they're painting it and this mysterious you know realtor woman and now we're just in an episode of twin peaks mm-hmm. right <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I this. I think this real estate broker just really wants the sale. <laughs> That's people mm-hmm. go back and forth about it. You know, it yeah. kind of works either way. I like to think that she cleaned up all of this just because she had to get that property. You know, Central possible? Park yeah. West. She with the with the view of the park. She's just like fuck it, get everything out. I'm selling the place. That's the is that the idea? I think so. <laughs> but the way that she tell, but the way that she kind of like manipulates him into leaving, and she's like, "There never was an ad." <laughs> yes, I love like, that. What? I love <laughs> she plays it. It's so creepy, actually, and it's like, what the fuck is really going on yeah. here? You know, and when your point about, you know, um, Chrissy, the prostitute screaming the hallway, being chased by Patrick with the chainsaw, um, it's, you mentioned like who lives in this building and it's like, well, there probably are people in that building, but do they care exactly what's going on Mm -hmm. or do they want to open their doors and get involved? Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Or is it a bunch of other people like them that are just coked out or partying or away, you know, like that are just don't even hear it, you know? Because of right. whatever's going on in their in their crazy apartment, mm-hmm. but, but that realtor though, I mean, she, I actually really, really enjoy that scene because he yeah. opens the closet and there's nothing there, you know. About the oh god, she just plays it <laughs> such in a creepy way too. Yeah. I think she, she kind of stole the scene a little bit from me. She no, she did, mm-hmm. and the, and that's the thing. She plays it so creepy. She doesn't play it like oh, what are you talking about? This place is just it's been empty for days or whatever. She's just like get the fuck out of here, Mm -hmm. you know? She's, like, trying to scare him away, you know? And it's not... And that's what makes it more ominous. That's what makes it, like, wait a minute, who did this, you know? Um, Because, yeah, it could have been played off as if she's just, like, naive and just, like, no, sir, this apartment's been empty. Like, what do you... You know? But that... They didn't go there. Yeah, you know, when it comes to, like, the ending of the book and, you know, I feel like the book definitely plays up the ambiguous nature of the story like much higher than than the movie i feel Mm -hmm. like the movie uh, that that was a little bit of my problem with the movie like i i love this movie i really Mm do um but i do feel like there's almost like just a a foot too much of giving it away right yeah for me for me personally right um you know this final showdown this like crazy action sequence which kind of culminates in this answering machine confession. Yeah. To his Christian's ther- really good in the scene. therapist, right? Oh, so good. I also yeah. love this scene with Christian because you can sort of see a little bit of his British accent slip. In the confession. I never picked up in the on confession. That. Yeah, I've re-listened Does to he? it. Mm-hmm. I love the scene though. If he was nominated for like best actor in the year two thousand, this is probably the scene that they would that they would pull. <laughs> oh, totally, totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's Bateman, Patrick Bateman. <laughs> You're my lawyer, so I think you should know I've killed a lot of people. Some escort girls in an apartment uptown. Uh, some homeless people, maybe five or ten. Um, an NYU girl I met in Central Park. I left her in a parking lot behind some donut shop. I killed Bethany, my old girlfriend, with a nail gun. Uh, and uh, some a man, a little, some old faggot with a dog. <laughs> Last week, I, uh, I killed another girl with a chainsaw. <laughs> I had to. She almost got away. And, uh, someone else there, I can't remember. Maybe a model, but she's dead too. And, uh, Paul Allen. I killed Paul Allen with an axe in the face 
his body is dissolving in a bathtub in Hell's Kitchen. But you're right. I feel like in the movie they do kind of give it up a little bit because, like, he's almost, um, you know, like I said, it, it kind of turns into an action se- sequence where, you know, um, the cops are chasing him and these, there's like a shootout. And the car blows up. The car so really mm-hmm. no blows up and he straight up looks at his gun. Like, what? Well, he, it's it's like that <laughs> Even he's reality where he's just like, is this really happening? Did mm. I really just do that? I, and I love that. Th- those yeah. were little touches I was like. And then oh, even this. when he goes into one building and it's the wrong building, and, you know, and he kind of like shoots the door guy or whatever and then leaves and then goes to the right building. I was like, I looked away for a second and I was like, isn't that the same building? <laughs> like it almost looks like he le- left and came back in or or the building that he went into was the exact yeah, same location. Same like they one. shot at the same location, just in almost reverse it felt like. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, was that on purpose or was I like looking looking at my phone or something? Um, yeah, so all all that shit's wild. And then, you know, when we he sees the therapist later on, and and lawyer. The, oh, it's lawyer, yeah. not his. Yeah, it's his lawyer. It's his yeah. Lawyer, because he confesses everything to the lawyer on the answering machine that he's murdered twenty. Oh no, forty people. Yeah, and but this is another. Isn't this? Isn't this another like kind of like mistaken identity situation where he's just like, oh, that was so funny. But even that conversation kind of goes on a little too long. Like that, it was a joke. It was a joke. It was a joke. And then his demeanor changes to this very kind of like ominous, like Mm -hmm. shut your mouth. (laughs) It was a joke. Get the hell out of my face. You mean with the lawyer, like his reaction? Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he talks about that. He had like, I had dinner with Paul Allen, like yes. Mm -hmm. Last week in London where he's like, (laughs) did you? (laughs) How? Yeah. So that whole thing is like, if, if the, if the lawyer's thinking that he saw Paul, I mean, Everybody thought Patrick was Paul for so long. So maybe he had dinner with somebody else and thought it was Paul the entire time. But yeah, it um, there's still ambiguity to it, but it is a little bit more like kind of winking at us. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. he's just snapped, right? Yeah, it's it's all in his head is like oftentimes is what's thrown. Like, is it all in his head? Like there are like Reddit pages that people still go back and forth. And Mm -hmm. and that is the beauty of the movie. You know, maybe it is, maybe it's not. Um, I just felt it was a little too heavy handed and, 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 and Mary Aaron did, did a good job though. I mean, there was little details, even in the last shot of him just sitting there listening to everyone talking while Reagan is on the TV screen Mm -hmm. of just like, there's a little sign on the back of the door that says, this is not an exit which is in the book, he gets up and walks out a door that says, this is not an exit. And the meaning behind that is he can't escape and he's stuck in this life. Right. So ends on, it ends, it goes, you know, the whole movie, but ends on a very nihilistic tone of meaning, meaninglessness. I'd like to talk about the Matt Ross character because Patrick is rendered helpless by the gay guy. Which is interesting. <laughs> that, I mean, yeah, yeah. Can we talk about that scene yeah, a little bit? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're right. He is kind of like he was gonna he was gonna strangle him from behind, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the bathroom as he was taking up his. Um, Lewis Carruthers, the biggest doofus in the business, is what he refers to. <laughs> and he's got like that stupid haircut, like this guy. And he's engaged to um, Courtney. 
and he's so obviously gay. Yeah. So gay. <laughs> like Limpress. Yeah, totally. But it's kind of funny that um, it kind of Patrick turns no homo with them when isn't Patrick kind of the biggest faggot of them all? <laughs> Is that he's really into like like cheesy pop music, skincare, sort of his body metro, image. Metro, metro, and metro, he's just yeah. rendered helpless by the gay guy. Yeah, I think that was just a uh, unexpected power play moment for mm-hmm. him. Because in, yeah. in the book, he's really homophobic. He murders a gay guy and and um i think he says it in his confession too mm-hmm. yeah he, he says like it murdered in the confession. a gay guy in the yeah. park and his fucking dog yep so I, it's definitely an interesting scene and i just like the little bit when patrick runs out and lewis is like call me yeah right i have in my notes nothing <laughs> nothing scares a um a psychopath man child like the threat of gay sex <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, he's kind of he's kind of crippled by it. He's about to he's about to strangle him from behind in a public bathroom in a restaurant with all his friends outside. But the minute he like uh, the guy like touches his hands or whatever, he's just like, oh shit, you know, and changes his mind. Does he tell him anything? Does he say anything to him in that he's moment? He's like, no, he does. He does. He's like Patrick. <laughs> like why here? <laughs> yeah, why the men's bathroom? Yeah, um, yeah. And he does make comment that like he's obviously like fantasized and, yeah. and noticed Patrick mm-hmm. before. But Patrick doesn't then, say anything threatening. Does he say anything threatening to him? Like he says nothing to him. Like his face completely changes yeah. as soon as Lewis kisses his hand and 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 he says that to Patrick and he runs over the sink and starts washing his his gloved, gloved hands. hands. Yeah. yeah, I yeah, I forgot about that because he puts on he puts on his gloves at that at that moment. Mm-hmm. Are they isotoner gloves? Are they le- leather isotoner? <laughs> I like to think, leather, I like to think that they're that they're isotone gloves. Yeah, they have to be isotoners. If it was eighty if it's eighty seven, this movie. Uh, yeah, that's the time. Although yeah. maybe they like to be maybe like isotoner gloves would be like two department store for Patrick. Mm, yeah, maybe he would need something fancier. Maybe, yeah, maybe you're right. He went that. to Barney's. Yeah, I think my I think my mom had a pair of isotoner gloves in the late '80s. Coveted. Them. I love it. <laughs> the The lining was very soft, luxurious, mm-hmm. <laughs> or purple. <laughs> Another thing that I really like about the ending of this movie, and I could see if this movie was tackled in something like a long form miniseries, like it would be now. Probably this would probably be like a five episode, like. Amazon Prime show or something. I like that Mary doesn't attempt to give any excuses for Patrick's behavior. Like, how does this, like, what is the ending quote where we leave Patrick? There are no more barriers to cross. All I have in common with the uncontrollable and the insane, the vicious and the evil, all the mayhem I have caused and my utter indifference toward it, I have now surpassed. My pain is constant and sharp, and I do not hope for a better world for anyone. In fact, I want my pain to be inflicted on others. I want no one to escape. But even after admitting this, there is no catharsis. My punishment continues to elude me, and I gain no deeper knowledge of myself. No new knowledge can be extracted from my telling. This confession has meant 
nothing. Yeah, this confession mean, means nothing. This confession means, means is means nothing. That Patrick doesn't even know how to explain its behavior. Yeah, I'm simply not there. Yeah, uh, I feel like people nowadays are obsessed with a backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, yeah. mo- and I think this movie would be heavily criticized with like we get no motivation. Right. Or we get no like scene of him being beaten as a child or something. Do you know what I mean? Like there has yeah. to be this like crazy, you know. Happy. Yeah. I'm happy that, that that isn't there. I mean, who knows? I don't know in the current culture if <laughs> that would be something um, that people would want, um, especially him being the protagonist of the movie, like right. to make him more sympathetic. In the book, there is a little bit more fleshing out of not a lot, but like it's mentioned that like he was born in long Island and his family, uh, his parents were wealthy and he has a brother named Sean who goes to Camden mm-hmm. and that's obviously Sean from rules of attraction. Mm-hmm. Um, James Vanderbeek. Yeah. His mother's like <laughs> in a sanitarium. So it's kind of nice that they exercise all that stuff out. I don't yeah. think it was needed. No, we don't need it in the movie. So I heard that there's cut scenes of rules of attraction that Casper Van Dien is Patrick. Have you heard that? Yes, that's true, but they've never come out. Uh-huh. There's not a single bit of yeah. evidence or, or frame or anything. That's Does he it. take a phone call? I think yeah. so. I think in the movie there's a phone call, but that's it. Yeah, there's just a mention of it. Yeah. Um, Paul calls Sean and confuses him to be Patrick. Right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, we, we don't have to talk too much in depth about Rules of Attraction, but when I tell you that when that movie came out, and like Ian Summerholder, yeah, that, oh my god, that face, boys! I really want to do Rules of Attraction. <laughs> I love Rules of Attraction. We, I do. yeah, we'll because we'll save a lot that of that theater. conversation for a future episode of Rule of of Rules of Attraction because we definitely have to get into that. Totally, totally. I mean, that movie definitely made me uh, gay, and it also like cemented my love for James Vanderbeek forever. That, now that kissing scene, oh. My goodness. Gay. 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 I need gay. to revisit it. <laughs> Something moved in my pants. My you know, gay like, self. Ooh, and also just Ian has that beautiful, I mean, it's gay face. He's got, he's got a gay face. He's too got the pretty. gay face. He's too pretty. He's too pretty. Yeah, those, yeah. those gorgeous like rose cheeks. The brows. So I remember Rules of Attraction. Our video store didn't even have it. Like oh, no. I had yeah. to track that shit down myself. I had to like really? borrow it from a friend that got it on like overstock.com. <laughs> well, you were in a small town in Montana. Yeah, but our video store yeah. didn't carry it. I bought it sight unseen. I was just like, and this I will be purchasing to watch. So every because day. of Psycho, um, I really jumped into Brett East Ellis's work. I was 13 years old and loved American Psycho. And while, <laughs> while people were re- reading Harry Potter, I was reading Rules of Attraction less yeah. than zero. I was like, I'm not interested in Harry yeah. Potter. I'm too busy. Interested. I'm reading this good stuff. Yeah. Um, so for me, like, and we'll, we'll, you know, we'll talk, I'm not going to go into heavy detail, but I was yeah. very excited about that movie. And I did see that in theaters and I kind of coerced my um, art teacher to take me and a friend and she had no idea oh, what oh my goodness God. gracious <laughs> love that and i have i am here to tell you uh i ran into shannon sauceman in a bar once and she <gasps> was stunning yeah i was like she's pretty beautiful that and i looked closer and i was like it is 
Shannon's awesome at hoe. Did you um, see her at the roost? I did see her at the roost. Okay. Yeah, I did. Um, but yeah, obsessed, obsessed with that movie. Like, so like, it's just such a time capsule mm-hmm. of, yeah, I don't know. Like that, that's something that would probably never get made. <laughs> We'll talk about that one. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we gotta talk about it. To talk about that one. That'll be a, the sequel to this episode. So you're yeah. familiar with the musical adaptation of this, right? Oh, Jesus, did you see very, it? Very, very. I, I was. Yeah, that, there's a whole story behind there. Yes, um, basically, my friends Mark and Roger, who I was living with, um, they got me tickets to it. And then it was announced it was being canceled. Yeah, I was going to say it was kind of a bust run that it only had 27. It had 27 previews and 54 regular performances before it well, closed. We, th- when I told them that, they were like, oh, shit, we bought you tickets for like next month as a surprise. And I'm like, oh, my God. And, you know, I thanked them forever. Um, within 24 hours, I was in New York City in the second to last um, performance of Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I was so obsessed with this musical in a very weird way. Um, I, you know, no one would think American Psycho. Like, what the hell would that look like as a musical? Yeah, I watched some clips of it online. A musical is a musical. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, you know, it's fun. You know, I did appreciate in 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 the lyrics and the music. You know, they incorporate dialogue from the book and the film. Where I was able, without even seeing any bit of it, to really put together the story i will say the musical is a little bloated in the second act (laughs) but overall it's very enjoyable and they did a really fun job with paul allen's death scene on stage (laughs) so that musical began in london in 2013 and they brought it to broadway in 2016 wow okay and it got and it just got what can't canceled do musicals get canceled i don't know how that works um, it was closing. That's the correct term. I think it, it lost a lot of money too. Mm. Um, you know what though? There was a lot behind the scenes that you probably won't read too much about it. But coincidentally, um, someone I know was sitting next to someone who was more involved in it and kind of said that there was a lot of money mismanagement. Sure. Or it would have stayed a bit longer. Sure. Okay. I mean, it's not like Carrie the musical style that closed after like one night. <laughs> no, so no. it got it got a few months. Yeah, it got some. You know, it was decent reviews. You know, I, I Brett Brett liked it. Brett sounds like really enjoyed it, and uh, you know, I think I think it was they did a good job, and it worked, and it worked well for the time of when it came out. I mean, I remember what watching the musical. Uh, there's a lot of there's a little bit more jokes about you know his fascination with Donald Trump, sure, which is <laughs> yeah. which is so appropriate at that time. Yeah. So you know. The, the humor kind of was played up big time in that one. Yeah. And and it was campy. It was campy as fuck. Oh, yeah. So I can imagine the, the death scenes probably being played out a little bit more. Oh, Paul and death scene was just the f- coolest. They literally start dancing to hip to be square. And then he puts on the raincoat and he presses a button. A screen covers the front part of the stage. And he takes an axe and swipes it at him. And his back is from facing us in the audience and just the blood starts spewing against the plastic lining <laughs> and then fog starts like shooting in it's like strobe lights it's it, oh, it's wow. definitely it feels like a horror yeah um scene and then you see patrick holding his head as he's oh, walking shit. towards the front of the uh the front of the stage and then that's how the first act ends sounds like a good time to me <laughs> oh i was i was living i, was I love living that for theater it. shit yeah <laughs> 
That's really cool. Yeah, Is there anything else that we've left unturned of this movie that we want to mention? We didn't talk too much about – we briefly touched on it, that this movie is uh, misunderstood, I guess, and kind of maybe latched on to by people for the wrong reasons. Do you agree? What do you mean wrong reasons? I don't know. I don't know. I think, uh, I think there's a certain co- – like when Scott said about the Halloween costume, that it's just like a quick bro like thing. Like uh, – just kind of not get it. Yeah, I mean, Pat, you mean you mean like Patrick Bateman should not be a um, almost honored character? But yeah, I, I think it's it goes back to just Christian Bale, though. Yeah, yeah, like he's he. I think he's the main reason why there's almost like a bro attitude towards him. Like, oh, it's so cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the people who are like, oh, he's so cool, you know, really understand what they're really talking about that's that's what i mean mm-hmm. like just people that just like have a giant like scarface poster in their bedroom or whatever <laughs> just like you know kind of glorifying things like you know organized crime or whatever just uh because it's cool you know and yeah the performance is great and he's fucking really cool um but i, I think it goes to a point where they kind of idolize the character maybe I don't know. Oh I, yeah, I mean, I, I have I have the Funko. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute, though. I think one yeah. of the big misunderstandings for me personally of this movie is that it's branded now as this horror classic. While there's horrific elements in this movie, I think when it kind of boils down to it, I think this is a black comedy. Yeah. And that's yeah, probably I don't, I don't how see it is a horror. And movie. that's probably yeah. how the director Same. would like pitch this movie is that it's a it's a social commentary. Yeah, it's definitely a, a social commentary, and that's what the book was to begin with. But then, yeah. like all this other stuff, just kind of threw people off. I feel like, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't, I really don't know what I would consider it to be. Yeah, like I don't know if I would even con- consider it to be a comedy thriller. Yeah, I would say thriller, a thriller, thriller, psychological. I would say thriller. black comedy myself. Um, yeah, thriller, we, black comedy. Sure. We talked about it off mic. We normally start the show with the trailer. Yeah, and we started this episode with a clip. Um, and that's because kind of they didn't really even know how to market this movie, mm-hmm. you know. And the marketing was kind they of wanted all to over the cast place. a wide net of this is a thriller starring Christian Bale and Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, I before I've actually never seen the trailer, but I threw it on last week. Yeah, and I was like, "What the hell is this? <laughs> this is awful. This is horrendous." The what heavy metal this? guitar always throws me in. <laughs> Oh, the music that they use, I was just like, what is this? They, they obviously didn't know what the hell they were doing with this movie. Yeah, the, the poster is great. I think yeah. the poster is iconic. No, the poster is actually really cool. Um, but yeah, that's yeah, that's kind of what I where, where I was going. I think just it's it's misunderstood in that they didn't know how to market it. They didn't know who they were selling it to, what the audience was going to be. Well, yeah. and also kind of coming out of the late '90s, where uh, horror movies like Scream. We're making a lot of money mm-hmm. that maybe they sort of wanted to tap into something like that of how Dimension was selling their movies. Yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah. Now that you said that, I could totally see that link. With that with that weird trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, should we talk? <laughs> I don't I was hesitant on bringing this up, but you know there's a sequel. Oh, yes. <laughs> American Psycho <laughs> 2 starring Mila Kunis. I have never seen it. Have you seen it? Is it William Shatner? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen it. I've seen it. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on Prime for sure. Oh, yeah. It's uh, Mila Kunish. She's like, this is 
that, that it was I didn't sign up for that movie. Um, <laughs> well, doesn't it have to do with a girl whose parents or mother was murdered by Patrick Bateman that she like witnessed her babysitter, it? her baby, her babysitter, her babysitter, her and her babysitter took her on a date to Patrick Bateman's house. <laughs> Oh my god! And like killed the babysitter in front of her oh, as this little girl's just watching, being like, "Uh huh," and stabbed him while he was like dissecting her, like type of thing. It's it's so bad. It's so so bad. It's obviously something that they just tagged on for like marketing reasons. But I do give it like a chuckle just because it's like cool American Psycho too. It was adapted from a script titled The Girl Who Wouldn't Die and it was originally conceived as a thriller with no association to American Psycho. Yeah. I mean, horror movies wow. do that a lot. I feel like that happened with Carrie to the Rage, that that was an original script that was floating around that they just branded as Carrie. I have a hunch that the Blumhouse Black Christmas was like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely uh, retconned. Oh my goodness. So they cast somebody as Patrick Bateman in that movie. Beats me. They actually had like the ice mask, I want to say, uh, on him the whole time, which uh, <laughs> Patrick would never do that. No, so, he would never do that. Like I walked in that movie knowing full right, yes. like this is going to be some garbage. And it, it, it's it's garbage. And it's it a made-for-TV USA movie. <laughs> oh, my gosh. American Psycho 2, uh, All-American Girl. Is that yeah. the subtitle? Cone. I don't know about American girl. I don't know about American used twice as the title of that movie. <laughs> yeah, and this would have been like Mila as she was making that '70s show too. Yeah, yeah, well, it's sad. I mean, I, I use I was like hesitant on bringing that one up, but I figured why the hell not? <laughs> no, it, it exists. Yeah, we got to bring it up. It's free it's on IMDb TV. I prefer it not to exist, though. <laughs> I, and I would imagine that Mila Nobody Kunis probably it, feels please. the same way. <laughs> Go watch something else, please. Yeah, Go watch was, Less Than Zero over that movie, please. I was going to say, listeners, your homework is not watch American Psycho 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, well, your homework is go watch Rules of Attraction because we're going to be right? doing that mm-hmm. movie soon. So, Did you guys ever see The Informers at Curiosity? No, and I know that movie had a very troubled production history that it was shelved for, like, years. Uh, yeah, there's a mm-hmm. whole... It was like a whole one. thing. I'm I'm a big fan. <laughs> um, I've actually never seen it. Brett Easton Ellis's work, what, and just his <laughs> <laughs> and and his style. You know, obviously, I'm a Patreon um, of his podcast. I, I I like his brand, his aesthetic, and mm-hmm. I think he's very smart. And yes, he is a shithead, and he does um, rub people the wrong way. But mm-hmm. I think he, at the core of him, I think he's incredibly talented, and, and he has a brand. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. And it's very dark, and, and that's what I like about it. Yeah. Um, I'm too much of a grammar nerd to uh, <laughs> to get through uh, most of it. But I appreciate it, especially for the time period, because, like, the 80s were pretty cool. Like, the 80s, some cool shit I don't know, but they were also know. very scary. I mean, they were very scary. That sort of cool backdrop. Is sort of New York and the height of the AIDS epidemic of yeah. the 80s yeah. kind yeah. of juxtaposed with Wall Street culture. Yeah. And Less Than Zero is all mm-hmm. LA, right? Yeah. Less yeah. Than Zero is like everything is in LA. Mm-hmm. It's a good setting for a character like that. For Patrick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, New York City for sure. Um Yes, uh, but it, but 
again, like you said, uh, Brett Easton Ellis is, um, I don't know, an acquired taste maybe. I think it's just, he's not for everybody and that's mm-hmm. totally fine, you know? But I feel like this movie as crazy, like uh, not over the top, but as extreme as it can get, I feel like most people kind of, I mean, it's it's a really good movie. And yeah. I kind of agree that it's like really well done. Whereas kind of... Oh. It could it could have gone in another direction where people were like, no, that is wild. I can't deal with all that. Yeah, Don't I mean, it definitely is the I like it was my personal gateway mm-hmm. in, into his work and and the other adaptations in his books. But um, last year was the twentieth anniversary. They interviewed Mary Heron about it. Wow. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but but it, it it's a film and a character that has made such a big cultural impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So big, and and I I do love that, and even as a literal figure. Like, and it's important to acknowledge the influence of Brett in the gay community too. That this is a very iconic character created by a gay man, and it's nothing that feels sort of cliche of being a young gay writer. Too that it's very it's very unique. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not heavy-handed at all. Um, yeah, you you wouldn't know it was even a gay writer, mm-hmm. yeah, at all. And in, in, in any of his, I mean, there's gay content, of course, but you don't pick up on that. It's not like a big drive, like a coming out story. It's that's not a part of anybody's character arc, really. Yeah, I also feel like whenever women in film are discussed, that Mary Heron doesn't really get a lot of credit for doing this movie that this is potentially could be a very sort of toxic masculine movie. And it's really fascinating to see how a, a, a female approaches that material. It's like that scene early on in the movie where Patrick is walking down a dark street and he uh, approaches this woman and he's standing next to her. And there's something so unsettling that in this kind of very familiar situation with women that they find scary, they're being approached by a handsome man and just how frightening that is that he's not like a, he's not like a creep or anything. Like he's a handsome white guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point. Who's incredibly dangerous. Yeah. And, and you don't see the aftermath of that at all. Right. You know, yeah. No, you don't yeah, see no, anything. No. I mean, I don't know about you two, but I've been scared of handsome white guys my whole life. <laughs> uh, especially the ones on Wall Street. In case, uh, <laughs> yeah, especially. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh my goodness! I think. I mean, I think that about does it. Well, it, I mean, yeah, we sort do of, it, but we sort of scratch the surface of this up. movie. But, um, yeah. but yeah. Oh my goodness! I mean, what can we say about like final thoughts? It's like. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, like I'm, I'm, I'm looking at some notes I took. I'm like, geez, I still have like a whole like three pages of notes <laughs> on this damn movie. Um, but it's good. Um, yeah, you know what I, what I do appreciate about Mary Heron, and she is really the biggest. She should get the biggest applause for for doing this movie, being able to see through the controversy of it, yeah. and all, like the bullshit of of the book, and really get it at its at its core. And same for Guinevere Turner. I think they did an outstanding job, as well as Christian Bale, the whole cast. I think this movie is fantastic. I just say people give it a chance and really pay attention to it. Because even me revisiting it last week versus me watching it the first time, 
um, as a 13 year old, um, I, there's still things I'm picking up and noticing. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely that type of movie that um, we had no business watching this when we were in our teens, but we like, (laughs) we like sought this shit out that we had to watch it. Yeah. Thanks big bro. Yes. (laughs) I remember watching this movie with my stepdad. Oh, okay. And that's awkward. And my stepdad just being like at the end of it, that was pretty good. Yeah. I loved it. Don likes good movies. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Yeah. I mean, Thank God for all those like long lingering shots on Christian Bale's body. Oh yeah, I definitely paused <laughs> those him, a lot. Him and his Calvin Klein briefs, his They're, white Calvin Klein briefs. Uh, they yeah. are Perry Ellis. They're Perry Ellis. Oh, in the Perry Ellis, movie. Yeah. You gotta, yeah. like you're saying before, in the book. you yeah. gotta you gotta pay attention to the details. <laughs> They're Calvin's in the book. <laughs> Something I mean, about. Looks so hot, like doing like stretchy oh, yeah. on the floor. I'm like, oh my god. I mean, didn't Anthony from like Queer Eye like do something very similar? <laughs> like he replicated that Jesus. scene. Probably. I'm sure he did. Yeah. <laughs> the oh Queer Eye guy that straight people fucking love, and I've never gotten it. Really All of our straight friends love Anthony. him on love Anthony on on Queer Eye. Yeah. He's got that baby face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's that. It's that face. But um, yeah, I mean, God, God bless Christian Bale for just. Uh, Going all in, mm-hmm. you know, in a role like this and, you know, and with it, you know, ma- male nudity, even as brief as it is or whatever, it's not something that, that we see every day. And so, you know, it takes somebody secure with themselves. I'm wondering if, if Leo would have, Leo would not have achieved this body. Yeah. <laughs> no. I'm so glad he didn't do this yeah. movie. I mean, uh, the, the poetic universe of it is i guess gloria steinman who is a, a journalist had yeah. taken him out to a yankees game and was like you just did titanic there's 13 year old girls who are like obsessed with you do you really want them to like see you in this movie next <laughs> and meanwhile same year american psycho comes out she gloria steinman marries David Bale, Christian's father. Oh, that's right. That's a, yeah, I was so. going to say, Gloria Steinem is fully... That's so interesting. I didn't know that. Oh, my God. Yeah, I knew that. But we do... And, and side note, we do see Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio's penis in Total Totally Eclipse. Clips. I've talked about yeah. Total Eclipse on this podcast because I was obsessed with that movie when that... Oh I paused that. Gracious. I definitely paused, paused that. Quite a few times. I think we talked about that on, on, on our Titanic episode. Yeah. He was, he was, that was pre-Titanic, so he was, like, super young in that one, so he was, like, very thin still. Not super young, but, I mean, it was... Yeah, it was baby. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but I I definitely remember that movie. And, like, he, like, he kisses another man, but it's David Thewlis. So you're like, (laughs) All right, Leo's kissing a dude, but it's Professor Lupin, like, uh. Yeah, that that was the only thing I remember of that movie. And then the other movie is a movie I mentioned to you guys prior, Wild with Jubal. I was just Oh yes. Yeah. I love I which I actually revisited not long ago. I was like, this is a good movie. Um, <laughs> I still think this is good. Yeah, yeah. Um pretty, pretty, pretty Jude Law. Pretty, pretty, pretty. Um oh my goodness. Well th- I mean we haven't even scratched the surface, but we've got a got to wrap this up sooner or later so this has been a lot a lot of fun talking about american psycho it's very daunting i was yeah, very nervous leading up to this episode just because there's a lot to talk about in this movie that uh it's sometimes hard to put in words 
Same, same. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, same, same for me. I was just like, oh gosh, just I thought cruising was going to be like a, a hard movie <laughs> to talk about. And it's like, oh, American Psycho, I can beat that. Yeah, Sleepaway Camp was like the easiest to chat about. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's keep getting harder and harder with the movie suggestions. And I mean, speaking of Sleepaway Camp, yeah. R.I.P. Oh, the ant, the ant from Sleepaway Camp. She just passed away. Yeah, Desiree Gould. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such an iconic performance. She really was. I mean, she's in that movie for a fraction, and Fangori wrote like a little something that was just quite nice about her. Oh. Yeah, that's yeah, that was that was that's very sad the other day when that happened. Um but I mean, hey, you know, if we if anybody thinks of uh, more stuff to talk about for American Psycho, maybe we'll do a part two of yeah. this episode because there's there's so much to to unpack. But um, the movies that made us gay, American Psycho, part two, all American gays. Ah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Mm-hmm. Cheesy. It's a long title, but it'll fit. <laughs> Thanks so much for Thank coming. Thank you so on much, again, man. Thank you, guys. This Thank you fun. for having me. We'll think about another controversial movie for your next topic. <laughs> or you can pick something light and fun. I like controversial. I, I, I like that. <laughs> I like, like dark it? stuff. I'm, I'm, I almost I threw out a couple of suggestions to you guys, but I almost want to think of something like really, really. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll find something. All right, all right. Oh, but we also have to. We also have to do rules of attraction too. So this is true. Yes. So yes, listeners, yes, yes. listeners, if you're out there, if you're listening. Come back for come back for rules of attraction. That's going to be a fun one. But um, until then, this has been great. But as always, we uh, it's time to bid you adieu, Mike. This is so much. Thank fun you again for always. having me. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. We'll see you next time, buddy. All right. Talk to you. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Thanks so much. Yes, indeed. American Psycho. Crazy movie. Mm -hmm. But uh, we love it. We definitely recommend you go out and find it. Watch it. Do we we save those streaming on anything? I think that you have to rent it. I got to rent it. Well, what are you going to do? Rent it. But um, it is about that time. Patreon shout-outs. Say hello to our Patreon shout-outs. Let's see. Who do we have here? We would like to say hello and thank you so much to uh, Michael, Charlie, Heather, Muffy, Paul, Jamie, Drew, Jimmy, Genevieve, Don, Josh, Emma, Melly, Aaron, Melinda, and Jim, Jessica, John, Nick, Christine, and Rafino. Thank you for being a friend. Thank you for being a we love our patrons, and we would love for you to go check it out. Yeah, I was just, I just got in the mail uh, the Patreon postcards, which I will be sending out tomorrow. A new batch of postcards. So if you wanted to sign up and be a patron, any level gets a postcard from us. Even a dollar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also get some really fun uh, Alternate commentary tracks. Watch a movie with us. There's even a free one on there. If yep. you are not a subscriber, you can head over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. And you can check out our 10 things I hate about you commentary track. Sync up the movie. Press play after the three bleeps. Mm-hmm. And watch along with us. Yes, indeed. You can hear us gabbing as the movie's going on. Ooh, girl, don't go in there. Uh, and uh, get our... Uh, Awesome insights. So, yeah, head over to Patreon. There's a lot of really cool stuff in there. 
We'd also love it if you would rate and review our show. Give us five stars. Give us five stars. Please. Go to Apple Podcasts. Pretty please. We'll read them on the air. Yes, indeed. Write a good review. We'll, re- we'll read it on the air. Smash that five-star button. Mm-hmm. You guys have been doing it. Our five-star ratings are going through the roof. Yay. So keep on keeping on. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Movies That Made Us Gay. We're also on Twitter. At MTMUGpod. Yes, indeed. You can find us on social media. My name is Pete. I am on Instagram and Twitter at Peter Lasagna. And I need to update my letterboxed. I am Peterific. And I'm Oscar Scott on Twitter, Scott Youngballer on Instagram, and yeah, Scott Youngbar on Letterboxd. I've been rating a lot of movies lately. Yes, indeed. Letterboxd is fun, but I need to get my I've been booty back slowly uh, finding out how you work the app a little more. I just yeah. found a quick little shortcut of oh, rating cool. movies that I'll have to show you. Oh, very, very fun. All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. We will see you next week for our brand new episode. Bye. Bye.